Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. And again, uh, top of the day to you. Hey, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah, just a couple of weeks from now. So that was pretty appropriate. Anyway, I'm Jim Gerhardt. I'm here because I essentially have nothing really uh, urgent to do. Patrick Lavery is here because... He is the executive morning news director. He has a lot of responsible things to do, but nevertheless, he has chosen to put them aside and talk with us. Hey, we're going to talk with our miracle boy right now, Pat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Williams. Bob, good morning. Morning, uh, Jim. Morning, Patrick. How are you guys doing over there? Doing well, just fine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we sounded as great as you do, <laughs> we, you know. what a change. What a change. Well, well, I can't believe it. It's been two weeks since my uh, transplant surgery. And I cannot believe how good I'm feeling, guys. I mean, I'm just uh, improving every day over here. Getting kind of antsy because I'm just sitting around watching Maury Povich and uh, Judge <laughs> Judy all day. It's just uh, getting a little bit frustrating. Well, but it's a uh, rather masochistic thing to do. Isn't <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I got I got to find some more activities, but uh, I can't get too ahead of myself. I'm I'm feeling very good, but I, I just don't want to have any setbacks. I just. Uh, making slow and steady progress. Well, I tell you, you have sort of set me back with my uh, what philosophical and theological uh, quandaries here because everybody was praying for you. It worked out. It, this is as close to a miraculous thing, I think, as I've ever seen. Not only were you, you tell me what, hours away from sort of the end of the kidney, but here this beautiful lady appears and I, I, yeah. w- with, the, uh, with the gift for you. Utterly amazing. And and it, and just like you were just alluding to, this is all because of my wonderful living donor. If it wasn't for her, I would be on dialysis right now. And yeah. once uh, you go on dialysis, the, all bets are off. You don't know what's going to happen ahead. You don't know how long your life is going to be because uh, uh, the uh, the dialysis treatments really take a toll on your long term health. But uh, my living donor, her name is Kim Rumis. She lives up here in Roxbury with me, and she is just the most beautiful, wonderful person. She did the most selfless act that I could ever imagine and uh, that most people can't imagine. She gave me part of her body so that I yeah. could live, mm. and she truly saved my life. She gave me many more years, hopefully, God willing, of, of, uh, of, of living here on this earth. And uh, it, you don't find people like that every day, guys. It, it's a special person to be able to yeah. make that sacrifice so that somebody else can have a good life. You know, something, uh, this is a few years ago when they had the Somerset Patriots, you know, first started the the ball team. Yes. And uh, we were up there for a promotion, a station promotion, but also that day was sponsored by this group, uh, the uh, Organ Transplant. What, what is the name of the mm. organ? Oh, uh, you know, I don't, uh, is it the, the Sharing Network? Is it? Is that uh, what it is, Bob? It could, yeah, uh, probably the New Jersey Sharing Network. Yeah, right. Yes. And, and they were around and they were promoting organ uh, donations, and I don't think, you know, it, it didn't occur to us at the time <laughs> that somewhere down the line, uh, these people and their organization and the, the way that they have publicized the uh, the process uh, was going to come back to save one of us. Hmm. And, and it's an incredible organization. Um, there are two main headquarters, one in North Jersey, one in South Jersey, the one that I, I'm working with is the one in New Providence. And they 
you know, there, there's different types of uh, donation. You can have the living donor, which is probably the most viable mm-hmm. for not only kidney, but uh, for liver. There's well, we'll talk about that uh, organ and tissue donation. So many ways you can save somebody else's life. We'll get into that in a minute. But but the New Jersey Sharing Network is the clearinghouse and the coordination between deceased donor and uh, possible viable organs that are available to save others lives and the families that need to make that decision uh, and the transplant recipients. Um, it's, it's a, it's a huge uh, process, Jim. And uh, I have nothing but wonderful words to say about them. I went on a tour of their facility last fall and I was just amazed at the, at the work they do. Well, you know, just the very basic fact, I guess we've become a little bit jaded over time since uh, Christian Bernard did the first heart plans back many, many mm. years ago. The fact that this can be done right. yes. at all. Right. Thank is, God is, we is live a, in the age that we live in, fellas. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, Bob, uh, something that you said right off the bat today, I mean, it really reminded me, um, in, in, in the best sense of it, of one of our sponsor endorsements where you said something very much to the effect of it's been two weeks since my kidney transplant and i've never felt better in my life i mean he could be a billboard <laughs> well let's hope he becomes one now that's bob, right bob listen listen to, to to sort of add to gild the lily of, of the miracle here you're going to be back doing traffic reports fairly soon as i understand well i'm good yes i'm uh, hoping i'm going to the uh, hospital today for my uh, weekly checkup and i'm hoping that i'm going to be able to get the uh the okay to uh, get back on the job uh, in the week after next. Uh, I'll be uh, working uh, from home for a while because I really have to watch uh, my public contact with everybody because right. I, I the first couple of months is very, very crucial. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to get any infections or anything of that like. But, uh, yes, if all goes well today, I'm hoping to get the uh, the clear to get back on the air with you guys because I really miss it. It's, it's, well, you know, we miss you're, you. You're away yeah. from it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. and. Gosh, I just, I just, I just love what I do. I, I love being with you guys, and uh, I just can't wait to get back at it. Well, you sound great. Let me round this out. Now, anybody listening and hearing this who would like to know more about it, uh, you give us your suggestion. I, I think you could still sign the back of your uh, uh, something with your driver's license. That, you? that is that is the main thing. I mean, mm-hmm. if 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 nothing more, I would just love if everybody out there would just consider and really consider checking off. The I'm an organ donor box on your driver's license mm-hmm. because just that you think about it. God forbid if you have a tragedy, you're 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 not going to need your organs where you're going, and if your organs are still viable, uh, why not consider giving somebody else a chance to let them live on? Because it, it, there's not a more beautiful thing that you can do than save somebody else's life. And you know if you if you do a little bit of more research, you're going to find out that there are many many. Uh, organs and and tissues that you can donate that would really make somebody else's life a whole lot better. Uh, That's the basic thing. Also consider doing a living donor thing. I'm going to hopefully introduce you someday to my my beautiful donor, Kim Rumis, who will will attest that, you know, it's not that difficult to do that. It's a personal decision, but it's not that difficult to become a living donor. Kim is back at almost, she was released from hospital care last week. She's pretty much back to normal. Uh, less than two weeks away, she's uh, she's just resumed her life, and it's just it's just miraculous what's happened. And I hope everybody would consider doing what she did because a lot of people can be saved, and that's what's going to be our message going forward, Jim. I I want to make a difference. I think God's left me on this earth to do just that. 
Okay, I, I, I can't dispute that. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Bob, thanks. You know, I know you've got to go. You have a, an appointment. Uh, but we'll be talking with you more, and, of course, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Yep, absolutely, guys. Great talking to you this morning. Have a good one. Okay. You too, Bob. Okay. I, again, just, just quick, for anybody who might just uh, pick this up somehow or other, uh, some freak radio signal coming in on your dentures or whatever, and you say, <laughs> what's that all about? Uh, Bob was a dear colleague of ours for many, many years, yeah. and he needed a, a, a kidney transplant. And, uh, well, you heard, you heard this story, and it worked out just beautifully. Okay. All right, I tell you, uh, I want to talk a little later with uh, with Mike Strisky, my my friend, the uh, sort of the the new Thomas Edison of New Jersey. Okay, and uh, we will do that in a moment. I, I want to talk with Pat Laver here in your capacity as the executive news director in the morning. Uh, the state of the are the what the budget address is a week from today. We're doing this on a Tuesday, right? So it'll be, it'll be the fifth, I think it is, correct? Or something like that, or March. Yes. And so what we get to find out, and it and nobody knows now, which is very unusual. Going back in years past, we've had some idea what's going to be proposed. But considering what we have termed the Californiaization of New Jersey plans for this governor, right. I think what we're going to find really is the Murphy plan for kicking the can down the road, the big problems of the state, and continue with profligate spending largely in entitlements to buy votes. And this seems to have been a tradition uh, of, of governors doing this. Everybody kicks it down the road. Nobody will stop and deal with the absolute, with the problem. What, $20 billion in debt, $200 billion they don't right. have for, right. for pensions that they keep giving out and keep increasing the entitlements. So what's she going to do? And, and I think the difference with this governor, perhaps, versus other governors, I mean, you and I have talked already uh, in the, the couple of weeks that we've been... Uh, Back and forth here. We've talked at length already about the Florio administration and and what happened there, Mm -hmm. hands across New Jersey and everything like that. What is different about this governor seems to me to be that he is making no bones about it. He has been from the start. I am going to be a tax and spend politician, and that's just the way I am. And if you like it, you know, you like it. And if you don't deal with it because I'm here for four years. How does one deal with it? (laughs) <laughs> well, you, 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 you ante up, you, you, you put the money in the basket or the collection plate when it comes. Around well, again. well, my goodness, you would think that if if you ran on that platform, you would <laughs> at least have some sort of idea then as to how to deal with it. But people knew this before he ran. He, he right. never, never kept it back. And yet yeah. they voted him for him. In. Right. And now the, yeah, the people's response is a little bit iffy, but nevertheless, Mm. unless he changes his party affiliation in New Jersey, Mm. he's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. He can come around like what King Herod and say, I'm going to take your firstborn child (laughs) and everything. He'd still get reelected. Yeah. Uh, So, oh, 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 interesting thing talking about him. Did you see that, uh, that piece? It was in an online news source about the highest property taxpayers in New Jersey. Yes, I believe I did. Was that, this was a couple of weeks ago, a week or two ago. And he was, yeah. I think he was number one of paying the highest property tax, or he was in the top 10. Wouldn't surprise me. But you know how much? No. Property taxes, the average property tax in New Jersey is what, $8,600 yes, a year, something like so. that. Yes. And of course, it knocks the bedickens out of us, especially those who are on limited, you know, like retirement incomes. Mm-hmm. Like. His property tax, according to this article, is very close to $200,000 a year. My goodness. 
And there are a lot of people who are paying more than that or that yeah. much mm-hmm. in property taxes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you you would think he would be hopping up and down. Well, but with that much money, who cares? I guess. Well, and and yeah, that is one way to look at it. I think the other way to look at it, and and probably the the way that he does look at it is look at how much money I'm paying. Surely you can do your part. Well, that's fine. Okay, so start paying me what you have, what you make. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, and right. That, I will have. I'll stop. I'll shut up too. I'll sit down and be quiet about the whole damn thing. <laughs> the property tax. Martha, I, I just get so worked up about yeah. this. Suddenly having to pay it every time you turn around, you squirrel a few bucks away. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here comes the first of February, the first of May, and 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 there it's all gone. Right. But the property tax system, in addition to a lot of other things is the fact that it is a fine for improving your property. You would think it would be the other way. They give you a property tax reduction, reduction. if you improved your property. <laughs> or some sort of credit. Yeah. yeah. Credit. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously just, just after after money. Yeah. What else going on in New Jersey that's big? Well, my goodness, I, I just think that uh, we have kind of hit this this boiling point over the last couple of weeks um, with, I think we have now had... Four, at least four um, car incidents or crashes or accidents where the driver has had to be revived um, mm. from opioids. Uh, they had a tragic case a week ago uh, in Passaic County in Wayne yeah. uh, where a, a driver uh, allegedly high on heroin uh, crashed through a gas station, uh, killed a father and son in one car and uh killed also a, an attendant at that gas station and it, we had someone who had to be revived uh, with the the antidote which uh, the commercial name is narcan mm-hmm. we had someone who had to be revived after after crashing a school bus last <laughs> the, week the bus driver or, I mean, or the the attendant or assistant the, it, it was it was not the bus it was not the person who was supposed to be the bus driver. It was an aide to the aide. bus driver who drove the bus because the driver didn't show up. <laughs> but she was driving at the time. Right, right. Was Ooh. driving at the time. This is just this. <laughs> this to me. This to me is is a problem where again any kind of public health issue, um, you know, should be taken with with concern. But we were just we were just talking about we were just talking about property taxes and. It seems that if you believe in in one sort of uh, political ideology, you should see a path to fixing that problem. I don't see a path to fixing no, this problem. It's gone too far. It's yeah. become a, sort of an endemic part of the culture. Right. And and, now, and also they're talking about legalizing marijuana. Now, correct. I can't imagine police would be too hot for that idea because, as I understand it, you can test alcohol use in a, in a driver yes. breath off. there's nothing to detect whether you're high on on drugs except observation yeah i i, I mean no instrument of any kind that was hold up in court exactly i think you know obviously the the breathalyzer yeah you can measure someone's alcohol level yeah but i think short of an actual um blood draw yeah drawing yeah. someone's blood uh-huh. at at the scene of a crash, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think you can and, measure that. And they're not going to have a phlebotomist in their seat driving no. around with every police officer no, in no. the state. And I think this is why, despite it being one of the uh, major tenets of the Phil Murphy campaign, this is why it hasn't happened yet. And Steve Sweeney, the Senate president, said, I think at the beginning of last week, 
he would not be surprised if it took until next January yeah. to go into effect. But if they if they have a spate of uh, people high on marijuana, especially involved right. in accidents, that's going to be the end of the Murphy career. Oh, it, yeah. I think, yeah, any time that you hang your hat on yeah, a certain on one issue right or among two. Or, well, we were just talking about uh, taxes. And yeah. I think probably the the infamous example being George Bush, the first when he asked people to read his lips and <laughs> no new taxes were on his yeah. lips. And then there were new taxes it, it, going back, you know, to the old original tax rebellion. We, we yeah. were sitting here. We were kind of the the billboard of the revolution mm-hmm. in a sense. But we were sitting here out of the clear blue when the uh, Florio tax was imposed in the beginning. And all of a sudden, the people, the, they came out of the, the woodwork yeah. and the walls and the woodpiles and the like protesting on the air. And we were instrumental in, in the organization of that. So, and, and it was extremely exciting yeah. to see people actually uh, in New Jersey becoming passionate about something that mm. their politicians were sticking to them. Yeah. And... Uh, but uh, I, I'm fascinated to see if this happens this time. And, and look, look, also, look what happened. This, this was sort of signal the end of the, uh, the Corzine administration mm-hmm. when he wanted to monetize the toll roads, which right. in a sense would be taxing drivers on the parkway. Yes. Which commuters use, you know, in, in huge numbers. So uh, occasionally you will get a public reaction, but I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see this one. Otherwise, when the, I guess what we'll all be singing after the budget address, Bo-hica, Bo-hica, all together and over, over here, here it comes. comes. Bo-hica, Bo-hica, again. Ah, here come, here come to shaft. Here come to shaft. <laughs> I have uh, many times uh, tossed out the idea that in absolute proof, iron-bound, gold-bound truth. Of the old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) The greatest example in the history of the universe is political correctness, which started (laughs) off in a small way at a couple of colleges. Yeah. And they were trying to do a really nice thing by warning students uh, in the Smith College handbook, which at one time was the original handbook for Mm -hmm. political correctness about not doing things that bother, hurt other people. And uh, you would, again, instead of saying an old geezer, it would be senior citizen. Right. <laughs> and and many things like that. Uh, don't judge people by their looks. There's a whole litany of yeah. these things. Do not, you know, say cripple anything demeaning to anybody. Sure. And that was good. But then all of a sudden, people found out that there was gold in being a victim. Right. Because with victimization became entitlement. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would read this piece, and this is this is kind of a new wrinkle in it. Okay, but there is a significance uh, in this. This was a piece, uh, and I'm going to quote this. This was by a writer named Matt Lewis. Okay, in an online uh, news publication, and he said, and he's talking about this case of the actor who mm. uh, faked his own yes, racial yes. whatever. I, I don't know what he was acting in. Right. Apparently, the gist of it was he was getting paid $65,000 an episode. Correct. And he wanted more. So he figured if he got this thing, he would become a victim. Therefore, his entitlement would be more. Not right. only fame, but fortune to go along with it. Now, right. here's what Matt Lewis, the writer, said. Not long ago, fakers posed as heroes <laughs> and winners. <laughs> 
And he mentions Rosie Ruiz, who claims she won the Boston Marathon. He's talking about a, a congressman uh, who claimed he was a Vietnam veteran and he'd hardly ever right. you know, been out of the, uh, <laughs> his right. home district. Uh, and and it goes on and on with the number. You you know you've heard these cases. Uh, Absolutely, the, the whole stolen valor. Stole, right? Stolen exactly. valor. Yes, because people wanted to pretend they were heroes. And he said they uh, uh, now frauds claim victim status, the most coveted status of all. Victims instantly get both sympathy and moral authority. So why bother pretending to be a hero or a champion? And he says, what this says about our society is unclear, but it can't be good. But that's true. Yeah. The highest aspiration of people is to be a victim because there is not only a payoff, but you have got an excuse for any failing in your life. Chances are you are responsible for it. Yeah. But you've got a way out. And and I even saw a very interesting take on this entire situation with Jussie Smollett, where the the article that I read um, the gist of it basically was, yes, he may have ruined his own career, but look what he did for the conversation about racism and things like that. <laughs> so he's still trying yeah, to draw a positive digging, out yeah, of it. Yeah. Because everybody jumped on the, bag, uh, the bandwagon immediately. Yeah. Because people, they're, they're going to believe what they want to believe. Sure. What they've been conditioned to believe. And, of course, we have an entire uh, higher education system which is dedicated right. to having brainwashing kids and having them think, that way mm. uh a couple of uh oh interestingly enough i noticed old bernie sanders threw his hat in the ring again he's gonna run again yes. i've got to tell you last election i would have voted for him i wouldn't have voted for hillary clinton if she was running for mm-hmm. gloucester county poultry inspector <laughs> which maybe she will be this time she yeah. won't, won't sit down won't go away who knows she's got choices but here here is here is an irony here for how many years do we have a cold war with Communism, international communism, many years, huge expenditure of lives, of, uh, of, of, of certainly money, obviously, yeah. trying to not become a communist country. All of a sudden, this many years later, we have a whole political party, which somehow is a, a formerly very respectable, responsible political yeah. party, i.e. the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. who... The radical tail is wagging the whole party dog, and they're going down the road to communism. Yeah. Now, you would say, oh, not communism, it's socialism. <laughs> well, look, remember, Russia never claimed to be communist. Yes. They were socialist. Right. Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Right. Socialism is a step on the way, they said, to communism, but it amounts to the same thing. It's like In the, Germany. Yeah. What, what did Nazi stand for? National Sozialistische Deutsches Arbeitsparty, Socialist Party. And so every time you see a socialist country, it's a communist country. Right. In effect. We were talking about marijuana before, and they say marijuana is the gateway drug to cocaine, heroin, whatever. Um, This way that you've set it up, and I, I think it's quite a reasonable way, is saying, well, you know, socialism is the gateway drug to communism. Sure. But and, it, it was meant to be. Read Marx. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I think that you're absolutely right about the, the tail wagging the dog, because as there are in both parties, there are politicians still in the middle of the road, more or less, who claim to be one party or the other, 
who truly do do good work for the people. Of course. But it's the people on the other ends mm -hmm. that are by and large defining the political well, absolutely. landscape. I, and again, I, I refer again to Michael Moore. Yeah. Who is a very bright guy. I disagree with him politically, but he's a very bright guy. And he says, get used to it because this is the future of the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Now, either Democrats and uh, say, I know Democrats. I've more often than not over the course of my life, I voted Democratic. Mm. And it was a comfortable party. It was liberal and yep. in many ways. Uh, but all of a sudden now they go way out there. The loony left is yeah. actually the tail that's wagging the dog. And everybody seems to be going along with it or lying low, you know, keeping quiet about it. There there needs to be some sort of day or year or decade of, of reckoning. And I thought mm -hmm. it was what was going to happen with the Republican Party mm -hmm. after Mitt Romney lost in 2012. You know, here was this uh, pretty traditional Republican candidate who the party really was not able to market very well. Mm -hmm. And I said before that election, I said, Obama will be reelected and the Republicans are going to have to go through a four year long soul searching period to find themselves. And what they did, it was the the old Tony Bennett line, you know, when they zig, I zag. Uh, yeah. And they did something, you know, completely unexpected in the in the rise to power of Donald Trump. And uh, they didn't really clearly define themselves no no because actually if you were to sit now i mean perhaps you can i couldn't tell me what does the republican party in this country stand for i, I have the faintest idea right right yeah i i could i could put together i think i could put together a list of what they think they want you to think it stands for but as for actual reality I don't know that I can come up with that list. Well, you know, we may not have to sweat this. I picked up this quote from a Chinese admiral, a very high person in the Chinese military. Mm -hmm. And as you know, the Chinese generally, especially especially people in a, a, a responsible position mm -hmm. high up, uh, speak for the administration. Yeah. Uh, so this is what he said. Now he said, and I quote, what the U.S. fears most is taking casualties. He was talking about this China Sea tension, uh, yes. and, and he had suggested that what they should do is sink U.S. carriers. <laughs> he <laughs> said it would take 5,000 Americans down. Right. This, this is yeah. last week. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not some historical Chairman Mao day. Yeah. He said what the U.S. fears most is taking casualties. There is a growing belief that Americans have gone soft, no longer have an appetite for sacrifice, and at the first sign of general troubles, or genuine troubles, they will cut and run. And he also mentioned, as part of this, five cornerstones of the U.S. open to exploitation. Their military, their money, their talent, their voting system, and their fear of adversaries right now. Mm -hmm. So I guess what he's saying, that Americans have, don't have any stomach really to defend themselves. Now, uh, bring that back to a domestic thing, and I yeah. think maybe this is part of our problem now. We do not have the stomach, the, the will, to resist the loony left. Although there has to be fewer of them than there are us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, and, and I think we can kind of cross-pollinate this discussion with something else that we talked about, which is uh, somebody always has to be the victim. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that 
there is too much there is too much victimization in politics. Uh, I think that people take too weak of a stance because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. Well, of course, I think it was a Tim Allen, the actor, had said mm. a piece I read anyway. He said that even comedians nowadays, you cannot come up with anything that the liberals do not like. Oh, my goodness. Anything that is non, not only anti-liberal, but anything that is non-supportive of the liberal cause. You just cannot do it. Yeah. I, Intimidation I was, has. I was recalling a um, I was recalling a joke that I had heard uh, many years ago uh, when George Carlin, right before he died, about a year before he died, um, had come to my college and, and done a set. And it, I was recalling a specific joke, and this was just this very morning I was telling people here uh, about this joke. And this was, you know, over a decade ago now, and I looked back recalling that joke, and I said, wow, you know, this was not that long ago, and you could not get away with saying it now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many things. Yeah. So many things. Sometimes if you watch uh, some of the vintage TV, mm-hmm. There are things that you would be completely blackballed right. or blacklisted or whatever from your profession for right. saying that. But now the, the intimidation factor is so strong yeah. that you do not have to say anything really anti. Yeah. It's just anything that is non-supportive of that to indicate you don't think like they do because there's one way of thinking. And that is the... the I, I had a... Uh, oh, Pete. Are th- this... See... This does not relate strongly to what you're saying. Okay, but I I, I I collect sometimes these pieces. Yeah, this is what on college campuses. This is mm-hmm. why I, th- I think we can't win this battle. We can't come back mm-hmm. because they've got a whole generation now yeah. of young people. And here now, this this is at Swarthmore College. Mm-hmm. That's you know respectable college. Sure. Here is what the uh, what the uh, the dictum was: hating. Pumpkin spice lattes is sexist. <laughs> I quote now their newspaper. If you say bad things about pumpkin latte or pumpkin spice latte, what you're really saying is that girls do not have valid emotions. Uh, is that girls generally like pumpkin spice lattes. Therefore, saying that you don't like them is saying that none of the girls' opinions matter. There uh, is, well, how can how can this looniness? <laughs> there, there is a there is a description uh, that comes out uh, every every fall once the the pumpkin spice season starts at your local coffee oh, shop, uh-huh. um, and it's a a description of the typical uh, woman who orders that drink um, as basic, and they they say. You know, she's she's very basic. She comes in with her hair done a certain way, wearing a certain kind of, you know, uh, boot for the fall, you know, for playing in leaves or hiking or something like that. And she orders a pumpkin spice latte at the at the counter. Um, And women will go very far to defend that description of themselves, which is basically saying that they're like every other woman. Well, this is fine, but again, any man who happens to walk into Starbucks at the time or wherever you get this right. is a racist or, 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 or a sexist. Sure, I sure. guess because yeah. he's not ordering one. Yeah. So pretty soon, I guess uh, we will all have to start. Uh, you ever have a pumpkin spice latte? I've never had one. 
Uh, here's here's the thing about that, Jim. I don't like them. Oh, well, I, I, again, I'm tainted by sitting here with Patrick Lavery, a well-known sexist. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, no, okay. No, no, I'm, I'm going to do one more as long okay. as I got this here. Sure. There's a whole bunch of them, but I'll do one. This is at the uh, Idaho State University of all places. You would think that would be somewhat conservative, but of course the school mm. necessarily are. Mm. And he said, we have to, uh, w- let's see, the, uh, also the, the Center for Positive Sexuality in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, their chapter, I guess, on that college campus. And it says, I quote, look, we have to stop discriminating against people who think they are actual vampires (laughs) by thinking that it's weird. Now, uh, it says, after all, according to researchers, they're born with it, somewhat akin to sexual orientation. Uh, So 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 what you're so what you're saying, and I, I know this is this is topical and this has been. Uh, in the news in New York City, and it's been tossed around in New Jersey. So what you're now telling me is um, we should have a birth certificate where a parent can check off uh, male, yes. female, mm-hmm. X, or vampire? Yes, I guess you could. You I, could do that. Yeah. Yeah, or zombie. Zombie, right. A zombie would be a great one. Yeah. I, I... And, and anything, anything undead. <laughs> Patrick Lavery. Thank you so much. I, I did want to mention, I wanted to talk yeah. about my friend, the inventor, Mike uh, Strisky, who was one of the people responsible for the hydrogen fuel cell technology, hmm. which is really, really growing, especially uh, in, in some parts of the world. Not so much here, although it is. But the thing is that Mike has been telling about this. He has been demonstrating it, not just mm-hmm. something, future possibility. Okay. He worked with Toyota to come out with the first fuel cell uh, car. Okay. Uh, they've got homes. They've got all kind of equipment. These roadside signs, mm-hmm. you you know that that have the uh, the uh, the alerts of yeah, something yeah. or other. Well, yeah. the, the 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 units that are sitting beside the road. Yeah. Their yes. fuel cell hydrogen fuel cell that Mike had developed when he worked for the New Jersey State Department of Transportation years ago. No, I had no idea. So we have all of these things at Mike's home. Everything is run fuel cell. Doesn't cost anybody anything because mm-hmm. uh, you know hydrogen is the most common element in the universe. Yeah. You use that and a little bit of water, and everything in this house runs by that. And this is not only the heating, the air conditioning, the laundry, his weed whackers. Oh my goodness! And a golf cart ah. and a car all run by that. It's amazing. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to Mike, we had some technical difficulty. Unhappily, we'll try to do that next week. What Mike has been preaching for years. As it's here, if you just had the initiative to, to to grab it, yeah, this is exactly what this. What's her name? Uh, the uh, occasional cortex or whatever the <laughs> yes, worst, uh, know, the, Alexandria Ocasio whatever Cortez, is, whatever yeah, the new she's Congress coming up with this so-called New Green New Deal thing yes. about having everything, getting rid of all the fossil fuels. Now, Mike has been sitting there with it, <laughs> and he'd be yeah. happy to share it with you. You <laughs> right. could do it today, right? Uh, but again, there are too many interests. We are fossil fuel-driven economy, right? Which, of course, and money is everything. I, I have heard so many interesting stories over the years of uh, people who have tried to find, uh, like your friend Mike, another way. Mm-hmm. There was um, 
a meteorologist who actually gave Dan Zarrow kind of his start in the business. Um, and the name of the meteorologist was Storm Field. He was oh, on yeah. TV in New York sure, for years, sure, son of the uh, great Dr. Frank Field, who was sure, also a, sure. a meteorologist. And when Storm Field retired from the TV business, um, he kind of faded into the background, except for one profile piece that was written by, I think, the New York Daily News, probably about a year after he kind of slinked off into retirement. And what he did was he would drive around to restaurants and diners and, with their permission, siphon their used cooking oil into his car and run on uh, filtered, basically, canola oil. Yeah. 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 There there were people who were doing that. Yeah. And collecting it. And some of the uh, the, uh, fast food outlets were charging. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to go out to the pump. Kind of like a side business. And and get the used stuff from your french fries. (laughs) Right. 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 You know, uh, you still mentioned the legendary Dr. Frank Fields. Yeah. I think he was, was at NBC? I believe Mm -hmm. he was for years. He was the weatherman. Yes. After Tex Antoine did himself in. Right. So. Yeah. Anyway, you said Dr. Frank Fields. You know, what What was his doctorate in, do you know? I believe he was an optometrist. Yes, I was just going to yeah. say. You you immediately jumped to meteorologist. Right. But he was an optometrist. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he was a doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Patrick Lavery, thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Well, I delight to sit here and chat with you. I don't even, we never know where this is going, but that's part of the fun of it. And I do appreciate you taking your, your time from your, your job, your responsible job. Oh, thank to you. Join man. somebody who has no responsibilities. Oh no 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 <laughs> no! And and yeah. whatever whatever direction we go in, I, I feel like it's it's always a, a good one and a lively one. So I thank you well, for it's that. Fun. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the new Jim Gerhardt podcast. Still cooking and it's bigger than ever. From NJ1015.com.